Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello everybody, my name is Boss Rutten. Hi, this is Diego Lima. This is Rodrigo Comprido and you listen. And you guys are listening to... You are listening to the Verbal Submission. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Verbal Submission. I am your host, Brian Hemminger, and we have a fantastic show in store for you guys today. It is Sunday, October 11th, 2014, and we'll be joined momentarily by my co-hosts, Richard Highlight Perry, Jerry Rodriguez, and then we have special guest, author Doug Merlino. He has a book coming out this week, believe it or not, titled Beast. Blood, Struggle, and Dreams at the Heart of Mixed Martial Arts. He spent uh, a couple years at American Top Team, and he followed the careers of four different fighters, uh, Daniel Strauss, Mirsad Bektik, Steve Mako, and Jeff Monson, and has uh, some, a lot of really interesting stories to tell. So we're going to talk, be talking to him momentarily. So with that out of the way, let's bring in my co-host for the evening, uh, Richard Perry. Richard, how you doing today, man? I'm doing great. The Patriots are crushing Dallas, and uh, I'm just looking forward to to uh, seeing how that game ends. Yeah. Hey, how about my brownies? Eh? Yeah. Give me. A, <laughs> give us any love. They beat the Ravens <laughs> with Josh McCown oh. setting a franchise record for passing yardage. Oh man! Against the team that just set set a franchise record for the losing. I don't care. <laughs> it's the Ravens. <laughs> You know, Joe Flacco, I think, was 14-1 and in his career against the Browns going into today's game, so I don't care how bad the Ravens are. Browns won. That made me, it made me feel all warm inside. So, huh. so yeah, honestly, there hasn't been a lot going on in the world of mixed martial arts the last uh, week or two. We didn't have any events this past weekend unless you counted the RFA show. I mean, and honestly, you know, RFA, you're expecting crazy big prospect battles, and the main event was Gilbert Smith against Bristol Marunde. So, I mean, <laughs> that's not exactly I mean, prospect biggest, on prospect. The biggest thing uh, about Marunde is that uh, he got a uh, bacterial infection at the same time as he uh, fought, um, oh, my God, Vinny Malgares. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we got plenty of stuff going on, at least in that department. All right. Well, uh, I guess Jerry's not calling in quite yet. He did say that he was running a little bit late with work. But I'm just going to let you take it away on whatever it is you want to talk about. Very briefly, I'm going to go get Doug on the line, and then we'll get started with that interview right here.
All right. Well, the uh, the big thing I want to talk about is uh, Yair Rodriguez uh, as a uh, up and coming fighter. He fought on the uh, UFC 192 prelims on the uh, on the top of the um, the Fox Sports One broadcast, and it, even though it was uh, it was a, uh, a unanimous decision, Dan Hooker is not someone to overlook. Um, he's a dangerous grinder. A few really smart, really educated um, journalists had picked Dan Hooker just because he's so tailor-made to to defeat upcoming prospects. And uh, Yair just did whatever he felt like doing that fight. Completely dominated it. It was uh, it was so one-sided that one of the judges issued a 30-26, which um, very, very rare. You, you rarely see any uh, any judge um, issue a 30-26 unless a guy is getting absolutely battered. Um, I also really enjoyed um, some of the other fights on that Fox Sports 1 uh, preliminary card. Uh, Albert Tumanoff versus uh, Alan Joban. Um, Tumanoff just absolutely unloading on Joban. Um, Adriano Martins upsetting uh, Makachev with a single punch KO, uh, which I don't think anybody really was predicting. And um, obviously, on the bottom of the uh, the Fox Sports One card was uh, Rose Namunas versus Angela Hill, and we got to see the rare standing rear naked choke all the way to nap time. Um, Rose choked her completely unconscious um, because Angela Hill couldn't figure out if she wanted to tap. I believe uh, after the fight, she actually said, I'm not tapping this one. I'm going out. And um, to her credit, she did. She went all the way out. Um, on the preliminary card, uh, you all had right. up and coming. Uh, Rich, okay. <laughs> I hate to interrupt, but I appreciate you stalling a little bit. But uh, we are joined right now by our first and only guest on tonight's show. He is a journalist and author. He has a book coming out this week, so great timing, called uh, Beast, Blood, Struggle, and Dreams at the Heart of Mixed Martial Arts. Uh, Doug Merlino, welcome to the Verbal Submission. Hey, thanks. Thanks. Oh, It's uh, an honor to have you uh, with us, Doug. There's a lot of stuff I want to talk about because... A lot of the people that you ended up uh, having as a major part of this upcoming book are people that I've uh, grown a little bit close to over the years, On whether it was through interviews on this show or just uh, talking to them, getting to know them. So I think it's going to be really great to see their stories fleshed out a little bit more in a longer form. And uh, let, let's get started with uh, first things first, just for the people that have no idea who you were. I mean, I, you've got a, a nice little background. You've written books before. You know, tell us a little bit about yourself, just so uh, our listeners get a, a little bit of backstory on you. Yeah, um, I've been a journalist, yeah, for, for a while. Um, and uh, I'd written one book before this that was basketball-related. Um, mm-hmm. And at the time, I was actually... I was finished with that book, but, you know, there's this leg between when you finish and the book comes out. Uh, so I think it was, like, 2010. Um, yeah, I think I was just finishing the previous book, and my neighbor, I live in New York City, and um, I have this, 
crazy neighbor who used to like to sit around and drink beer with. And um, he was a big MMA fan. Uh, and so he would talk about, you know, whatever UFC fights were going on at the time or, or whatever. And um, and I was into it. But, you know, I actually not, like, really watched MMA at all. Like, I remembered kind of, like, when it had come out in 93 and I'd wanted to see the pay-per-view, but we couldn't get it on, like, where I was and kind of life went on. And, and so, anyways, he dragged me out to a bar one night and I think it was, like, Rampage Jackson and I think it was UFC 111, Jackson versus Evans. Um, and I just got kind of fascinated. I was totally hooked with 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 the sport and uh, the whole thing. Um, and so, you know, I wanted to know more. And after we left left the um, yeah, in the following weeks, it was like you know there wasn't. There wasn't a lot of books or anything written about it. I think Sam Sheridan's book, but I think he only had one book out at the time, um, and a few others. But I really it was like, you know, who are these? Who are the guys who fight? Like, what's their deal? Where are these guys coming from? Like, where do they train? How does this whole thing work? Uh, and you know after a series of misadventures, um, I, you know, generally figured out, well, there's like a few humongous gyms in the country, you know, AKA in San Jose and Jackson's and Albuquerque and American top team. And, um, uh, I'd been hooked up. I was introduced to Jeff Monson, um, you know, by another MMA journalist who was like, Oh, well, you know, Jeff Monson's this crazy anarchist and he's got a master's degree in psychology and he's like done this and that. And so Monson and I were talking and it was like during these um, Occupy Wall Street protests that so he was going to come up for that. So I said, good, when you come up, let's hook up. He never made it. So finally, you know, I was like, I'm coming down to Florida um, to, uh, I'm coming to you, man. So, so anyways, I'd like texted him and was like, all right, dude, I'm coming down. And um, he was like, sure, sure, sure. Meet me at American Top Team uh, at, you know, at Monday practice. So I showed up at American Top Team and, um, and Monson wasn't there. And I texted him. He was like, called me and he was in Seattle. Um, so he didn't show up for our interview. But since I was at ATT, I started looking around and I was like, damn, like, there's guys from everywhere here, you know, there's, I mean, it was an amazing scene, it was, like, 50 dudes training from around the world in this humongous gym, and I was, like, man, this is super interesting, and, um, yeah, I got to know some of the guys, and, and really the wrestling coach, Connie Barzini, um, kind of took me under his wing, and, um, we just kind of clicked right away, and he was, like, well, you know, um, at the time, I was thinking about writing something about MMA. I didn't know if it was going to be a book or whatnot, but he was like, hang out here, man. And, like, if you want to know about MMA, just come to the fights, hang out with the training. And, you know, <laughs> he's like, you know, basically said at the time, he's like, if you want to, if you want to know, you'll learn. Just, just stay with us. And so I was like, that sounds awesome. Um, 
kind of how this whole thing started. Yeah, and you ended up staying there, hanging out, training for two-plus years while you were working on this book. Now, is that something that you're looking to continue to do, or are you going to move on to your next project, or, or is mixed martial arts now you know, going to be a, a part of your life? Oh, oh, yeah, I mean, um, huge. I mean, you know, like, I, the book is, you know, in, in a lot of the books are story of certain guys in a certain period of time and following them. But, like, you know, as working on as a writer, like, MMA is, like, the huge part of my life now. Um, so I started training when I was there. Um, I mean, mainly because I was, you know, I don't know, I'd always wanted to, like box when I was a kid and you know it was like well, really my mom was always like no you're not boxing no way and so I'd never done it and then you know I was sitting around the gym all the day where all these guys are training and Rich Ananita who um, was fighting the UFC at the time was a personal trainer so I started training with him and he showed me and you know it was a slippery slope and I just loved it um, and you know, yeah, I start training all the time. I still train Muay Thai like four days a week now. Um, and start sparring and doing all that stuff. So it became, I mean, I mean, personally, like I lost a lot of weight. It was very good in many, many ways. But, of course, I just became a huge fan of um, not just the guys I write about in the book, but the sport. I mean, um, yeah, I don't really even watch any other sports now besides boxing and MMA. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. You go into like to, to to you know you're you're writing about you're writing about certain things, but also of course changes you. I mean, I think naturally if you're open to to the process and and the positive parts of the experience. Mm-hmm. And I got to ask because uh, we have seen some journalists go all in on this, like. There's been Sam Sheridan. You know, he did his uh, yeah. tie, tie boxing. You had uh, one of my friends, Adam Martin, fought a, a Muay Thai match. You had Aaron True do a mixed martial arts match in uh, California while they were, you know, really in deep in uh, learning the sport and everything. So would you ever be able to consider going full-blown, you know, you're just one time, maybe do an amateur fight or something? <laughs> um. I don't think so. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's a good question. Sparring's enough, you know. I mean, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I just think there's like, it's such. I mean, this is what I say to people because, like, a lot of people I talk to know nothing about MMA, and there's this thought of like, oh, you you train like, and and I'm. I mean, I I feel there's different levels. It's like, yeah, I like to train and and spar in my gym. But it's like pick up basketball, and it's just like tell people it's like you know. I mean, moving up to the, to a different level is like just you know it's like like Daniel Strauss, who I wrote about. It's like would I mm-hmm. ever in a million years step in a cage with that guy? N- no, I mean he would kill me. Like so, <laughs> so you know, I mean just you know that's just a fact. So I mean I feel there's like different levels. And I like keeping it like a, a fitness and let's work out and let's like have some some rough and tumble, little sparring, but moving up to the fighting level, no, I don't think so. I mean, you know, I don't know. You never say never. Yeah. 
Com- completely understandable. Now, my co-host had a question for you, so I'm going to ask that one before I get into some of my other stuff. He wants to know, you know, while you were there, were you there right at the time when Robbie Lawler became champion? I'm pretty sure you were. And he wanted to yeah. know, if so, if so, what was the atmosphere like when that happened? Because ATT had always been looking for that big first UFC champion, and that was a really big deal for them. Man, like, okay, so, yeah, that was a whole... I mean, I'll tell that story, I mean, because I know anyone listening to this is an MMA fan. That was a huge, huge thing. Uh, it was very exciting to be there. Um, so what happened is, like, basically when I landed at ATT, which I guess was early 2012, the gym was kind of on a down, you know? It's like Chicago mm-hmm. Alves had been, had his shot against GSP, and, and he fell into this whole thing of injuries. And they really didn't, you know... It was like rebuilding, and even the coaches were telling me, like at the time, the you know a lot of guys told me like, "Yo, you're here at a good time because the gym's in turnaround, and by the time your book comes out, this gym's going to be in a totally different place." And I was like, "Well, I hope so, but you know that might just be positive thinking. Who knows?" And when I was there, um, many, I mean, it was weird. Like Robbie came in probably six months after I arrived there, and he came in. It was very a low key thing because guys. So many guys come into that. Like Tim, Tim Sylvia was there a lot. I mean, so many names that you would know come into the gym. So it's no big deal. It's like, you know, he was still living in Iowa. And it was just like he was coming down. He wanted to change. He was coming down to do a camp against, I think he was fighting Koscheck the first time. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, he became very close right away with a guy I was close to, Connie Barzini, the wrestling coach, who's an awesome guy, um, who's not like a widely known name, but he's an amazing coach an amazing human. Um, and, you know, they were working together and, and Robbie's, you know, longtime trainers came in who were really cool guys. And so whatever, but it was just like, here's another dude. He's had his run. He's a bit over the hill and he's coming in to try to turn his career around and, um, yeah, whatever. So as it happened, like, you know, I kind of got to know Robbie because I was already following certain guys. So look, I got to know him like a social way. Of like, cause he's a cool guy, and I was like, hey, yeah, what's up? And so he won the cost check fight, and then you know, he, kept, he kept winning, and it was really, really, really exciting for the gym. It was like uh, it was like getting a star quarterback, you know. I mean, it really picked up everyone's mood to have this guy who started to win, and I mean, everyone emulated him because. Not only is he an amazing, I mean, you see how he fights, but he's just a nice, soft-spoken, never brags, always humble, totally stoic guy. I mean, like, and just part of the team. Like, um, one day I remember, you know, like, I I got to know George Mosfidal pretty well. And Mosfidal down in Miami, um, he goes to this, like, parking garage where he runs stairs on weekends. And it's, like, hot and crazy. But guys will go down with him. And, like, you know, one Saturday I went down there and it was these guys and, you know, Robbie came. He's just part of the, you know, part of the team. Um, really cool guy. Like, uh, and that really picked up everyone. So um, when he first he lost to Hendricks and then he won, I mean, it was massive for the gym, for everyone. Like, because no one wanted to talk about it, but that was a big big thing like they never won a belt and um you know it was kind of like yeah it was like the monkey was off their back and i mean the whole 
one, the whole I mean, the gym is so different now, three years later than when I arrived. Um, I'm not even sure, like, how I, you know, because now I guess it would be an obvious place to go. When I arrived, I think they're happy to see me because, because like I said, it was on a lull, and so it didn't seem like I was, at that time, Jackson's was kind of ascendant. But I think at ATT, I didn't feel I was, like, going to the most obvious place. Um, but, you know, I mean, just it's changed so much with Robbie. That's changed the attitude of the gym, and it's drawn, I mean, so many guys go there. I mean, so many guys go there now and try out. It's it's crazy. Like, um, you know, that's changed. And also they're building a new facility that's, like, four times the size of their current facility that's already mm-hmm. good. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's just growing and growing. But I really think... I think Robbie um, has helped a lot, and, you know, seems like, you know, who knows, they might get a few more belts in the next year or two as well. Oh, yeah, the, the Bellator has been a huge shift for them. Like with uh, Daniel was briefly the, the champ, and Will Brooks yep. is a, a champ. So, yeah, they've been doing a great, great work over there in the Bellator department. Now, I want to talk about uh, each fighter individually and and kind of what drew you to each one? I mean, they, I kind of we got the gist on on Jeff Monson. I mean, the guy is a legend. Fought for the yeah. title way back in the day. I've had some crazy interviews with him. <laughs> like when we talked, like I think I talked to him for an hour and a half, my longest interview with any fighter of all time. And I wrote every word down. It was like fourteen thousand words. I just transcribed the whole thing and posted it. So, like, I, I have. I think I, I, read, I read that interview and it was like, did you? Yes, I did. Oh, that's Before, awesome. Yeah. yeah, I posted it on like uh, cage side seats way back in the day and then also in like fan posts on Bloody Elbow. So, that's <laughs> awesome if you actually did read it because, I mean, we talked about literally everything. The only thing I never got a chance to really write up were is uh, we had some really good conversations about the, the kind of the Middle East uprisings that were going on at the time. I mean, that was some really cool stuff that I didn't get to because it wasn't really mixed martial arts related. It wasn't the target audience. But, uh, but man, he is he is a treat. He is a treat to talk to. He is a trip. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, we – he not to say too much about him, we drove – he was training like an hour and a half drive north of um, where he lived. So a lot of times I'd just ride up there with him and I had the tape recorder on – and, um, man, I mean, yeah, it was fun. It was fun. There's, I mean, I think I transcribed all those interviews and uh, the digressions are that guy can talk about anything. Mm-hmm. Oh, and he's so intelligent too. So that, that, that's always a, a bonus that he can just expand, expound on just about anything. So let, let's talk about, uh, let's start with Daniel. Uh, well, let's start from the the top down, like in terms of age and experience and everything. Yeah. So let's start with Daniel Strauss, because at the time, I think Mako and Bektik were really just becoming great prospects, and and Strauss is a little bit more established. I think during the 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 the, the book, he he became uh, the Bellator champion. So like this is a guy that really started coming to his own right at the perfect time. He's even got a title fight coming up in like a couple of weeks, so perfect timing for the book release, and. Uh, so, so what drew you to Daniel? Because he just has this incredible story, and I've never got him to really flesh out about the the dark past. I know about it, and I could never really get some of them to, to him to really go on about it. So I, I'm really excited to to see all the stuff he in the book. But 
you know, what, what was it, everything that, that really, you know, you saw all these fighters over in American Top Team Training, and, and he was one of the guys that, that stood out to you? Yeah, I mean, to Daniel, I mean, it was interesting because when I got down there, it was like, guys got to know, like, okay, there's this writer hanging out around here, and he's going to write about, you know, basically like, I was looking for certain guys to follow. Um, and certain fighters were like almost auditioning, like, you know, because I think they thought, hey, this would be really good for my career if some guy writes a book about me. Um, and Strauss, you know, is a different dude. He's um, he, not like that at all. Uh, I was introduced to him. We chatted. Um, and I knew that he'd been, um, he'd won the uh, senior national wrestling um, in high school. That he had this ama- that, all I knew is that he'd won the senior national. He um, had been sent to prison for a few years. He got out, started fighting, and basically scrapped his way up. You know, he was, he had a, his fight with Pat Curran was promised to him at the time I met him. Um, and so I knew that, and, but we talked and we like had good rapport in the gym. And I was like, you know, you want to talk further? And he was just like, eh, you know, I don't know, man. I'll, 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 um, I'll let you know. So like, All right. <laughs> and, um, and I thought that was it. But then, um, like five days later, he texted me and was like, uh, you want to get lunch? Like okay, so so yeah, we went out and um, I mean basically a lot of these things are like we just got along. Like he has um, really like very thoughtful guy. He's not the most outgoing guy, um, but once you get to know him, like he's very observant and thoughtful and has an interesting way of putting things. And obviously, um, from my perspective, like he had an amazing backstory, but also he was going to have a title fight, so I was like, well, I'm writing a fighting book. I mean, everything came, you know, it was perfect. Good backstory, we get along, and he's got a title fight. Like, that sounds great. <laughs> um, so that, that's, uh, yeah, that's how we hooked up. And, of course, you know, as it worked out, his next two years were totally up and down, like more than, more than, more than, you could, more than we could even imagine. And as he said to me many times, he's like, well, probably worked out better for your book than you ever said. I was like, yeah, man, you know, hasn't been dull. So, um, so that's how I hooked up with him. Um, yeah, Daniel's and, uh, been a, Daniel's been a good friend of our show. We've, we've had him on five times, I think over the years. And, uh, like back from when his humble beginnings, like I think his first ever fight in Bellator was like, right. We had him on the show a little bit after that. Uh, just I was kind of drawn to him. I saw him fight live in Louisville at like Bellator 23. They're about to have Bellator 145, I think. So, so that was like my first uh, time I got to see him fight, and he, I think he beat like Chad Hitton, and he picked up a big surprise yeah. win. And uh, and he's just been a, a cool dude. So yeah, I, I man, I, the, you got you got way more than you bargained for when you decided to, to start working with him. Now uh, I want to yeah. hear about uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The only the only thing I say about him is that the cool thing, and I mean, I was telling, I was talking to him on the phone the other day, and like, yeah, it's been three years. Like, I've known him for three years now, and I mean, I'm going to his fight in St. Louis, but it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty awesome. Like, he's become much as a person. He's matured a lot. He's a, I told him, man, like, you're a lot better fighter than you were. You were a pretty damn good fighter three years ago, but he's really good now. So I mean, yeah, it's 
fight next month will be yeah, I can't wait. Can't wait to see what he what kind of show he puts on. Yeah, I mean the last time he fought Pitbull, I mean he had him on the ropes. I mean he was on his way to winning that decision and then yep. uh ended up losing. I mean that was a crazy fight. So I really hope uh he can pull it out this time because he has improved drastically over the last uh, couple years. All right, well, let's move on. Uh, we got Amir Saad Bektik. I mean, this guy, when he debuted in the UFC, I was looking him up because I do uh, this fight preview show where we break down everybody that's fighting on upcoming UFC cards. And we have to do a lot of extensive research on all the guys that are making their debuts because we want to be the ones that are informing everybody of how good these guys are. And I started watching film on this guy and reading scouting reports and watching his fights, and I'm just like, holy shit, this guy is incredible. Like, this guy could be one of the best prospects to come to the UFC in years, and he has delivered, and he is getting better and better every time we've seen him. Like, I, I currently have him in my top 15 in the world in the 145-pound the weight class in the UFC, and, man, this seems like a, the perfect opportunity that you got in there right when he was, you know, getting involved and getting ready for that UFC debut to where he is now. I mean, it, it just seemed like the perfect fit to, to get him at, at that moment. Oh, yeah. I mean, so, again, he was another incredible guy because, um, yeah, one of the first, I mean, naturally I asked when I got down there, I'm like, well, who's your top prospect? Mm-hmm. Well, Mursad, 21-year-old kid who's just moved down from Nebraska. Um, but, you know, he's like a refugee from the Bosnian War, and he's gone through all, I mean, again, another incredible backstory. But anyway, so meet this kid, and, you know, he's famous in the gym for his work ethic. Um, he never stops working. Uh, super, super great guy. Um, and we got along very well. But it was like, yeah, I mean, he, on the amateur circuit, I mean, not the amateur, I should say, on the more um, smaller fight circuit, just pulverized people, um, you know. Uh, his, I mean, everything about him is. Tr- I mean, what, what? I mean, what, yeah. I mean, I think I think people have been a little asleep on him, but man, I mean, he's a he's he's a monster. Um, just and I mean, I guess I'll, I could say physically, he's a monster. But I'd say knowing him personally and spending much time with him, like this guy's training. Um, Discipline is off the charts. Uh, I mean, in fact, I mean, yeah. If, if anything, the only danger would be he, that he overtrains. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, he's always working. He's always trying to get better. He's always reading. He's always like, I mean, um, physically and mentally. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a total package. He's really, and and another thing is, yeah, he was twenty one. Was he? I think he's 21. I think he just turned. Is he 24 now? I think he just turned. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and he's physically developed a lot. Um, I mean, that's one of the things that Connie Barzini said is like he's the type of guy who's only getting his real like kind of man size when he's 25 or 26. And I think that's exactly true. He's really grown into himself. So I think he's. I mean, I don't know. I don't think there's any limit on his potential at all. Plus, uh, just a, a crazy story to tell of. You know, escaping from war-torn Bosnia, and and who as a refugee goes straight to Nebraska and starts training with wrestlers? <laughs> just... Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was a cra- it's a crazy thing. Like he was living, he lived until he was nine. He left. His mom took him and his brothers out of Bosnia when they were one, 
they come from the village of Srebrenica, which was, I think, eight or 9,000. After they left, eight or 9,000 men and boys from that village were massacred in, like, a mass murder. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he lost tons of relatives. Grew up in a refugee camp in Germany. Came, You know, they got refugee status in the U.S., where they were taken in, and I think by a Christian organization in Nebraska, in Lincoln, Nebraska, yeah. And like you said, he was very wayward. He had a horrible childhood, obviously. But, you know, he said when he got to Nebraska, he was fighting, 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 fighting. And, um, and uh, you know, I think when he was around 15, he saw GSP fight and was like, you know, he saw GSP and how confident GSP was and how people looked up to GSP and how GSP seemed in control and thought, that's what I want to be like. Um, that's what I want to be like in my own life. And so he started training. Another thing that, that was funny was he also, Tiago Alves became one of his heroes. And he told me, like, he Facebooked, before he went to ATT, he, like, Facebooked Tiago and was like, hey, I want to I want to come down to ATT. And I, and I forget, I mean, I... Tiago actually wrote him back and was like, okay. And then Mercado's like, can I stay with you? <laughs> and um, apparently Tiago was like, yeah, here's the phone number for the gym manager. <laughs> but, you know, as Mercado, that's how naive he was at the time. Um, but that's the crazy thing is I was at his UFC debut and he was on the same card as Tiago Alves. And like you said, it's like crazy. It's kids who... Mike was a nobody in Nebraska who was watching the pay-per-views, and here he is, like, fighting with his, you know, hero on the same card in the same locker room. So it's just, it's mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. And then uh, last but not least, let's go on to, to Steve Mako. He's a prospect in a different light. You know, he hasn't fought as much as some of these other guys, but he's older. He's in his, I think he's about 33, 34, maybe even older than that. But, I mean, has this wealth of incredible wrestling experience was one of those great international wrestlers for the United, for uh, North America and and then those guys when they transition to mixed martial arts they're the guys that no one wants to fight because they have that and uh, so you know that's been a probably really interesting following him around as well. Yeah, he was you know that was he was part of the ATT turnaround plan because they were actually really aggressively recruiting people to come to ATT. And one of the things they were doing was sending guys, um, they were trying to get top-level wrestlers. Um, and so Mako was one of the, was, was actually, Colby Covington was another they got, um, and they got a couple other guys, and a few guys that I think flamed out. Um, but Mako was a big deal, because he was a two-time NCAA champ. He'd was on the same Oklahoma State team as Johnny Hendricks and Kim Moe and I think Askren was on that too. He trained with Cormier. Uh, he was a big deal. Like, and then he was an Olympic wrestler. And not only that, I mean, you know, so dominant on that circuit. Um, so, yeah, that was a few months after I arrived. So they got him to come down and join the team. And it was really a big deal. Like, everyone was very excited, especially all the guys there who'd been college wrestlers because it was like, he was a rock star. Um, so, I, so again, I met him right when he joined. We get along very well. Um, very cool guy. And I thought, well, this will be interesting because, obviously, 
is an amazing wrestler. And, I mean, even from the very start, like, I remember, like, he would be in wrestling practice, like, he'd be working with Bigfoot, and um, he'd, you know, he's manhandling these guys. I mean, of course, when it came to striking and stuff, it was a different story. But you could see, like, the talent and, you know, again, another guy with amazing work ethic. So I thought that would be pretty cool to follow this guy. He's a heavy, not only a heavyweight, he, he's a big prospect. But as far as writing about him, um, you know, can kind of talk about all the other skill sets that he's going to have to learn, uh, you know, to be a mixed martial artist. So, so yeah, that's how that's how I landed with him. And uh, yeah. Oh, wonderful. Now, I want to talk a little bit about how you kind of intertwine all these stories together because, you know, there's people that, you know, it's it's not easy because you've got four different stories to tell. So uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Just because it's, it's not just, you know, here's his story, here's his story, here's his story. You, know, you got to let it flow together because these are all taking place at the same time. Yeah, it was, it was hard. It took a lot of, um, a lot of, crafting it um yeah i think this i think the stories all do work well now and i mean um kind of blending them through time and 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 you know to the progress as guys go on and it kind of helps like i kind of developed a form kind of like a movie where it's like you're with monson and he's fighting in russia and then we switch over to Mursad fighting somewhere in the u.s um I feel like that helps keep things moving forward. Kind of like, you know, the stories play off one another because all the guys are struggling with the same things in a way of that, I mean, fighting is really hard. It's, you know, just the, not not just the fights, but the constant grind of the practicing, you know, month after month after month, dealing with all these nagging injuries, uh, all of them have money woes, um, scraping by one way or another. Um, it's like, so I felt like the stories worked into another, but it really took a lot of moving things around and experimentation with the writing to get it all, I think, hopefully to work in a way that, I mean, I think it's the type of book that a reader will pick up and be able to, you know, people, you know, the early readers have said, yeah, read smoothly because one story moves to the next, moves to the next, moves to the next. You don't get, like, I try not to make it so you get stuck up, caught up on one guy, you know, you don't want too much backstory at once. Um, Mm -hmm. Just spread the things out a little bit so that it moves along and then before it gets boring, you go to the next part. Oh, excellent. Well, my co-host had another question. He wanted to know, you know, was it your intention that you picked four fighters at basically four different points of their career you had. Obviously, Monson, you know, starting to wrap things up, but, you know, just yeah. having a lot of crazy stuff going on with him in Russia, and then Strauss right at his career peak with all the title shots and everything, and then Bektik, you know, the prospect finally starting to become uh, part living up to the hype, and then Mako as he's really, you know, starting to get rolling right at the beginning. Yeah, totally. It was totally intentional. Um, mm-hmm. I totally wanted to get, you know, yeah, I totally wanted to get this range of experiences because in some ways, yeah, Monson is 20 years older than Mursad. Um, they're totally not in the same place. And, of course, Monson was 
besides being just a classic dude in every sense, um, you know, Montan was a good way to get in some of this history. You know, I, I expect people who read the book, some will know way more than I ever will about MMA. Other people will know nothing. Um, but Montan was a great guy because you could work in some, a lot of the history. I mean, the guy started fighting in 97. He trained with mm-hmm. Matthew. He trained with Chael and Randy Couture at Team Quest. I mean, he's, yeah, you know, he's, he's, he's a living legend. Um, so that was, you know, that was a way of getting in the deep history in a way I think that could tie it to someone that people, that was a character in the book that people cared about. And then Prasad's Vectic is from a totally different era, you know, where, I mean, he grew up with the UFC and that was just a kind of normal thing. And he's always been a mixed martial artist. He was never just a single sport guy. He always thought about doing MMA. Um, and then the other guys, you know, yeah, the other guys hit on different things. So, yeah, I definitely wanted many different stories. I mean, it, it's weird that it ended up with two heavyweights and two featherweights. But besides that, yeah, the guys are completely um, completely, completely spread, which I think is another thing that, like, keeps it interesting. So it's not, it's not yeah, the guys are definitely not very, they're all very similar in certain ways but they're all very dissimilar, too. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to hear a little bit. What's the response been like from the, the mixed martial arts community so far? Because you, know, you sent some feelers out to some people, and I I haven't heard one bad thing yet from anybody, You know, especially somebody like Sam Sheridan, who is one of the first like really good authors that started revealing a lot about mixed martial arts, the, the early stages. Uh, you know, He had really nice things to say about your work. So, you know, how how's that been? You know, the have you been embraced? Yeah, I mean, so far, I mean, it's it's so far it's all been good. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, mm-hmm. the, the book hasn't come out to so have the white audience yet. But you know really like I think I mean hopefully I I think it should be I think it should be well embraced in the MMA community because a lot of time with these guys, you know. But I didn't like fly in and fly out, and you know. I mean, I feel like I put in a lot of time, uh, and you know, I, I heard from certain guys at the gym that I gave the book to, um, who aren't in the book, but are fighters that I got to know very well from the time I spent there, and they've read it and been like, you know, I heard from one guy the other day who was like, I mean. Like wow, man! Like this is, I mean, this is the life of a fire. Like you, you got it, dude. And I mean, coming from that person who said that, it meant a ton. Um, and so, so you know, you never know. I mean, some people, people, some people, you know, there's always going to be people who hate it. Um, but I think for the most part, um, I really hope that it like helps people understand the sport in a much deeper way and understand the guys who do it and what it's all about, you know. Because um, certainly uh, I definitely see the work in the sport, for sure. Um, I'm not like a Pollyanna-esque guy, but I have only respect for these fighters um, and, and what they go through and the courage it takes to do this and the discipline. Um, so, you know, so 
yeah, I, I hope I hope hopefully that's what people people take from this. Oh, wonderful. Well, I think uh, I'll, I'll just double check with my co-host. Okay, he does not have any last questions. I think I'm tapped out. You answered. You ended up answering like seven or eight of my questions all at once, right at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. I, oh no, no, no. That's, that's great. You saved so a lot. <laughs> no, no. You saved a lot of time because I was, I was, I wanted to be like, how did you get first get involved? How did you start? How did you meet some of these people? How did you, how did a guy from New York end up? in Florida at that gym. So, you know, it just all at once, just boom, boom, boom. I just started rushing down my list. <laughs> but it's it's great because you did a, it was awesome. But uh, one of my last things, though, is, you know, what what do you have out there maybe just to, to sell yourself a little bit with this book? Like what is it that the message you want to convey to somebody that's maybe on the fence about picking this up? You know, it's interesting, like, because I think, I think in, the, I mean, I think in a book, like, there can be a lot of things you get out of it, and I mean, certainly, like, on one level, all right, you're gonna learn a lot about fighters and what they go through, and 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 just the reality of the sport, mm-hmm. no doubt. Mm-hmm. I would also say, I mean, on a deeper level, like. And one of my friends read it, who's not an MMA fan, and I think he said something cool, which is like, look, I'm not really an MMA fan. I mean, I'm not not a fan, but I'm not a fan. And he said, but this is like a book about people who have had hard experiences in their lives, who are dealing with things, and they are really committing themselves becoming the best people they can be to getting better. They're not perfect, for sure. Um, But they're really taking on their demons and they're really 100% really putting themselves out there to do this. And he said, like, I found that really moving um, because he's like, I totally relate to that. I mean, I'm not a fight fan. I don't fight, but I relate to the people who, these guys who are working through their struggles. Um, He said, you know, in that sense, I just felt it was like a human, really a story about human being human and what we struggle through. Not, not, not necessarily. I mean, these guys are fighters, and I think because they're fighters, their struggles are very easy to represent because they literally fight. But I mean, I think that's like the deeper level. So I just think it's a cool story in that sense. And 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 I mean, hopefully, like I like I said, if you just want to read it to be like I want to know about ATT and what that's all about, then certainly will get that but I think I think there's like also something of a bigger story there and I think that's probably why as MMA fans that's why I am an MMA fan is that when we watch a sport there's something also deeper like it's just it's just visceral and like we come to identify with these guys because we see them struggling through their roadblocks just like we do our own so I, I hope you know to me that's like what it's about uh, in the bigger picture Oh, that's wonderful to hear, and I'm definitely excited to see uh, how this ends up going out for you, and I sincerely appreciate that you gave us about 45 minutes of your time. You didn't have to do that, and uh, I, I really uh, do appreciate anybody that's willing to, to give us that much, because we, you know, if we have our way, we'll talk all day, but uh, I know you're a busy guy. I can go on and on about MMA, too, so yeah. I'll be for hours. <laughs> 
But thank you guys. Thank you guys so much for having yep. me on. It's so, uh, really yeah, last thing before I, I let you go, did you have any uh, people you'd like to thank? Any last words that you uh, wanted to, to give out? I always, for fighters, I always say sponsors and all that stuff. But, you know, any any last words that you had? Uh, the floor is yours. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, I am, I'm grateful to all the, I mean, you know, I'm grateful to the guys all these guys in the book, Daniel Strauss, Steve Mako, Mursad, Bektik, Jeff Monson, also the coaches, Carly Borio, Paul Gavoni, uh, Kami Barzini, and, and tons of other guys at ATT that I, mean, I couldn't go through the whole list. I'm just grateful for the guys for for letting me into their lives. And, you know, there was no, no one ever asked, said, you can write this, you can't write that, you know. And for that level of trust, um, yeah, I thank them for that. It was, it was, uh, it was great. It was a great experience. All right, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for talking to us. Uh, your book comes out this week. Is it October thirteenth, right? Yeah, thirteenth. Okay, and uh, and where can uh, people pick it up? Uh, I think everywhere. Okay, so. just. <laughs> I did see you know, Amazon, Amazon online, Noble. Kindle, all that stuff. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for stopping by the show, Doug. I sincerely appreciate it. And uh, best of luck with everything. And you have a terrific rest of your day. Great. Thank you, Brian. All right. Thanks, Doug. Bye. Bye. All right. That was uh, the author of... Beast, Blood Struggle and Dreams, The Heart of Mixed Martial Arts, Doug Merlino, stopping by the verbal submission. Uh, you can pick it up at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, IndieBound, arriving uh, in just a couple days, so this week. So make sure to check it out. Uh, Richard, what you think of our little interview there? I, I absolutely loved it. Uh, I was laughing at, at some point when... Uh, mm-hmm. He, he pretty much obliterated your entire plan for the interview in, in about, oh, I want to say five minutes, yep. <laughs> right at the beginning. Well, it's okay because we were able to expound on a lot of other stuff too. But, yeah, because I wanted to delve into you know his history like from before mixed martial arts and then get into how he got into mixed martial arts. And he's just like, boom, take that. <laughs> oh, uh, I also – I also really loved the um, the comments he made about what the gym was like uh, getting a champion and, and how yeah. important that is for, for a high-level gym to, to get someone, like you said, like a star quarterback right at the you know tip of the missile um, to, to rally everybody and just make the, make the entire gym feel so much better. Yeah, that was really, really impressive, and I was just so excited to to get a chance to speak to him, and you'll be getting a a book review out of me coming out soon, so uh, keep an eye out for that. I'll let you know when when I post it, so. Okay. Now, now, uh, is there anything else you wanted to go over? uh, Not particularly. I mean, this week, I think we have World Series of Fighting, and we have Legacy, like nothing real crazy. Um, I recognize absolutely nobody on the legacy card. 
Um, yeah. And, and that's like a difficult well, thing to... I know like Clay Harvison, he was a UFC vet, Ultimate Fighter vet. But I mean, and he's won four in a row. But I mean, other than that, it's that's about it. And then... Uh, I mean, I'll watch it. I'm going to watch it because I, I'm broken as a person. But... Um, <laughs> but then we got Fitch Okami coming up. That's that's kind of oh, yeah, big. Oh yeah, I'm definitely I'm definitely gonna watch that. I'm more interested to see uh, Blagoy Ivanov fight again. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the champ. You know, he he's one of two people, as far as I know, in MMA history to actually break a ring, and uh, it's uh, super fun watching him fight, especially considering his history. You know, getting yeah. stabbed and all that. Stabbed in the heart. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then you got Nick Newell fighting too on the main card. He's not even one of the featured the the main featured attractions. Vinny Magalhaes against Matt Hamill, two UFC vets battling it out. Even on the preliminary card, there's some good fights. You got like uh, Rick Glenn, the the former champ, as the yep. preliminary card main event. Uh, even Colton Smith is fighting like one of the first fights on this card. <laughs> well. <laughs> That's not exactly something people usually want to be hyping up, but uh, no, no. Um, <laughs> that's going to be when the cameras cut out on the traditional world series of fighting. Cameras shut out during the online prelims. Probably. <laughs> so yeah, there's some good stuff going on, and uh, what do you, what do you think about Yushino Kami dropping down to welterweight? I mean, um, he was a big. He was I a don't big know how he's going to do it. He's a gigantic fucking middleweight. Yeah. That was like part of the storyline for him fighting Anderson was that how big and strong he is because he cuts so much weight to make the middleweight limit, and he's dropping 15 extra pounds now. That's crazy. Yeah, and um, I I don't know if he probably can't use an IV. Am I correct about that? I'm um, guessing. Just holy shit! Yushinokami Okami is is like reverse Anthony Johnson. Um, he he can't. I, I I can't imagine he makes weight. I can't imagine he makes weight. If he does, he is gonna look like Skeletor, just drawn out and not in good shape. I, and if he if he does make weight, he's got like one two rounds in him before Fitch does what Fitch does and Fitch is all over him. Mhm. Uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. What, what do you think about Fitch going out there saying that uh, he's the one that broke GSP and made him uh, start fighting conservatively? Uh, I I think the one who did that was the person who knocked him out. Um, Matt Sarah. <laughs> Fitch might have hurt GSP's hands a whole lot because you got hit with him like 150 times. It just at will repeatedly. I give John Fitch a whole lot of credit. There's not too many people that can get hit in the head by GSP and just keep trying to. Like, there was a, at no point during that fight that I remember Fitch not trying to win the fight. I think yeah. he did an incredibly stupid thing prior to that GSP fight and said, he's a wrestler now. I think he's not going to strike with me. And then GSP kind of had to, like, he did with a lot of his kind of early mid uh career fights where somebody said he wouldn't do something and he would go out and do it just to kind of mm-hmm. shut him up and pitch set himself up for that. Yeah, he really did. I mean that was a really impressive performance on his part. All right. Well, I think that's about everything. Is there any last stuff that uh you want our listeners to check out? 
yes, uh, since we're talking about GSP, just out of nowhere and uh, just as kind of a throwback, look up the GSP Blood Sport um, uh, kind of compilation uh, <laughs> tribute video. It's perfect. You can see all the clips of, of John Fitch uh, eating all of his words um, in just a perfectly laid out uh, way. It's, I believe it's, it's on YouTube under It's Not a Whale. Please don't quote me on that, but it's try to look find out, it. Lookout Whale. Lookout Whale. Or at least it was. Lookout look a Whale. It was Lookout a Whale. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, track that down. Watch it. Entertaining as all hell. Uh, excellent, excellent. And uh, I'll just toss out some history. Today, 19 years ago, 19 years ago, Vitor Belfort debuted in the UFC. Or or he made his yep, mixed his, martial arts debut. His doctor that is crazy. was very proud of him. <laughs> his doctor was very proud. And then he has yep. his next headlining event coming up, uh, I think, November 7th in Brazil. So we'll see how that goes. All right, so that'll do it for today's show. Huge thank you to Doug Merlino for stopping by and talking about his new book. So very excited for that. Uh, keep an eye out on MMAOddsBreaker.com. I'll be posting a review for that book. And I'm actually going to be posting a couple of book reviews this this week and into next week because there hasn't been a whole lot for me to do with this uh, three-week hiatus between UFC events. And then there's going to be another extra week after this uh, upcoming Dublin show. So i got to fill that time with some reading. So, uh, big thanks to Doug for stopping by. Thank you, Rich, for joining me today. And we'll be back uh, back to our regularly scheduled programming next week at 6.30 p.m., not 7.30 like tonight. And uh, I'll be announcing who our guests will be throughout the week on our Verbal Submission Facebook page. So make sure to check that out. And then big thank you to everybody that tuned in. Make sure to check out that upcoming book uh, by Doug the, called Beast, Blood, Struggle, and Dreams at the Heart of Mixed Martial Arts. And we'll see you guys next week. So what time is it, Rich? It is Kurt Angle time. Yes, baby.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.